Our first reading is taken from Jonah 3, 1 to 10. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim it, and proclaim to it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is taken from the book of Hebrews. For Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with human hands. That was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself, now to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again, the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year, with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, Christ would have to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But he has appeared once for all, the culmination of the ages, to do away with sin by the sacrifice of himself. Just as people are destined to die once, and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. 
Well, in the readings that we heard just now, we heard about some amazing people who were asked by God to do some very dangerous and difficult tasks in order to save the lives of others. First, we heard some of the story of Jonah, better known as Jonah and the whale. You might be familiar with it. God had asked a man called Jonah to go to a big city called Nineveh and warn them against their terrible wickedness and corruption that was about to bring destruction on their city. And Jonah, does he do what he's told? No, he runs in the opposite direction. He doesn't want anything to do with Nineveh. But God still has a plan for Jonah's life. And in an extraordinary series of events, Jonah is thrown over the side of a boat in the middle of a storm. He's swallowed by a whale and then sort of burped up on the beach, back near where he started. And finally, he does what God has asked him to do. In our reading, Jonah accepts God's commission. He travels to Nineveh, warns them of their terrible wickedness, and the king of Nineveh and all the people change from their wicked ways and the city is saved from destruction. So it's quite an adventure story. Now you may not think that Jonah was particularly brave because he did after all run in the opposite direction. But many of the people who we will remember today on Remembrance Sunday who sacrificed their lives were not superheroes who wanted to go to war. They were just ordinary people like you and me who would have been quite frankly terrified of going into battle. But that doesn't make their sacrifice any the less for that. In the end, Jonah obeyed God and thousands of lives were saved. God's plan succeeded. And when we think about Remembrance Sunday, we can reflect that thousands of soldiers who wouldn't have called themselves brave still sacrificed their lives so that we could live in freedom. Jesus once told his disciples that there is no greater love that you can show than if you lay your life down for someone else. In fact, why don't we just, if you've got your Bible with you, why don't you just pick up your Bibles and turn to page 1083. The number is on the hymn board there. It's in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, and it's on 1083. And Jesus is with his friends, his disciples, on the evening before he will be arrested and crucified. And verse 15, chapter 15, verse 15, uh, I beg your pardon, um, chapter 15, verse 13 says... Jesus, speaking to his disciples, says, Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And of course, that's what the many people we remember today have done. But it's also very poignant that that Jesus said those words the night before he was arrested and was to lay down his life for the whole world. It's the ultimate demonstration of love. And in our Gospel reading, Jesus has just begun his public ministry And as he walks down the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he sees those fishermen, Simon and Andrew. They were professional fishermen, it was their living, and he calls them to come and follow him, saying, I will send you out to fish for people. What on earth does that mean? Well, you see, 
A bit like Nineveh, in a sense. God had seen that the world was wicked and corrupt, and so he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to show us how to live, to warn people that they're going to miss out on God's love unless they don't change their ways and turn back to God. That's why Jesus says in verse 15 of, our, of that gospel reading, the time has come, the kingdom of God has come near, repent and believe the good news. And repent simply means stop going in the wrong direction and start going in the right direction. Well, Simon and Andrew, the fishermen, they say yes, and they obey Jesus' call to follow him, and off they go, as do two others, Zebedee and John. And ultimately, all four of them would sacrifice their lives for the sake of the good news of Jesus Christ and all of humanity. They had no idea what it would mean to accept the invitation to follow Jesus at the time, but for some reason, they trusted him. They gave up their jobs, their security, they risked everything, and God's plan succeeded. Because, because of their obedience, today, some two billion people call themselves Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, many of whom continue to give of their lives in order to make a better world and sometimes to pay the ultimate price. How could they do that? Why would they do that? Well, today, as we remember many hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people who sacrificed their lives um, in the defence of their country, and, and many people today in the armed forces, the police, the fire brigade, the lifeboatmen and other rescue services, they still put their life on the line today in order to save others. Let's hear from one of them who's very much involved in current day operations on a short video clip. I've been in the Air Force for uh, seven and a half, coming up eight years, uh, and that's of a 16-year commission, so uh, just coming up to, uh, to half, halfway. Uh, and uh, my role, uh, I'm a, a Chinook pilot. Went through flying training and got selected for helicopters, and at the end of that, got my wings and got posted to the Chinook. Yeah, I spent six months learning to fly the Chinook and then been on the front line for about four and a half years. The environments we work in are dangerous, particularly Afghanistan. Um, you're, you're operating, you know, uh, you're very close to the, to the Taliban, often over the, their heads. We often do get shot at and come back with a few holes in the aircraft. It's my job to keep people safe. That's my main responsibility and my main role. And it, it, I, I don't really think too much about um, what happens if. We go through a lot of training with what ifs if we, if we end up crash landing somewhere and how to escape. But I think I do certainly trust God that he's got my life in his hands. I remember hearing someone saying that um, we're immortal until God calls us home. And, and I often think that my life is, is in God's hands and, you know, and so is my timing. And, uh, you know, and that doesn't mean I diminish any responsibility from keeping myself, my crew and my passengers safe. Um, I'll do my utmost. But I think I just have that sort of sense of peace that God's you know, in my life and, and is there looking out for me. It's a great attitude, isn't it, I think. Um, did you notice that he said, I trust God, I trust God that he has got my life in his hands. 
Notice that he didn't say that he trusts God that nothing bad will ever happen to him. He knows he might pay the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice. But he's at peace with whatever happens because his life is in God's hands. Why is that? How can you have an attitude like that in such a dangerous job? How can you trust God so much? Well, the answer is very simple, and it's simply amazing. The other reading we heard this morning, the second one that I haven't mentioned yet, from the letter to the Hebrews, sums it all up in the final two verses of the passage. Just as people are destined to die once and after to face judgment, so Christ sacrificed once, was, was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. The reason that we and Flight Lieutenant Richard Anderson can trust our lives to God is that the greatest sacrifice of all time wasn't made by one of us, but was made by God through his son, Jesus Christ. When, even though he never did anything wrong in his entire life, he sacrificed his life on the cross. He died in order that we could be saved from all of the bad choices, all of the wrong actions, what the Bible calls sin, in our lives. That's the good news of the kingdom of God, which Jesus brings. And Jesus, on that last evening, before he was arrested and subsequently crucified, as he shared that meal, um, he asked them to remember his sacrifice by sharing the bread and wine together. He said that the bread represented his body and that the wine represented his blood. And so today, we're actually going to make two acts of remembrance today. At 11 o'clock, we're going to remember all of those who gave their lives for us in a two-minute silence around the cross. But before that, we're going to come and share bread and wine together, just as Jesus asked us to, to remember the greatest sacrifice of all, when God himself, in the person of his son, Jesus Christ, died for the whole of humanity in order to restore our relationship with him. That's why on Remembrance Sunday, um, many people place a poppy on a cross to remember two lives given, the life of a loved one and the life of Jesus Christ. Greater love has no one than this, than that he lay down his life for his friends. That is what Jesus has done for each one of us. Amen.